Hey y'all, I'd like to wish a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of my listeners. I'm taking a break this week to spend some time with my family and loved ones, but I didn't want to leave you without some type of episode from me this week, a week that a chronicle is scheduled to drop. So with all the details that are continuously coming out about the four University of Idaho students who were murdered in mid-November, I decided it was the perfect time to give y'all an update on the case. But I do want to be transparent and say that I'll be sticking to verifiable information that has been provided by the Moscow Police Department with some commentary from the students' families and friends sprinkled in. I will not, however, be discussing any information that has been speculated and tossed around by media and different professionals who have provided their personal opinions, or expert opinions, I should say, to those media outlets. For one, that information is simply their best guess right now, or theories, if you will, of what they think may have happened based on facts and information released by police so far. While that information is interesting, of course, and quite possibly even true, I don't want to steer away from the verified facts until the case has been solved. And honestly, I shouldn't say solved basically until they arrest a suspect or find the murder weapon or until some other big movement comes in this case. So now that I have explained that, let's get started. Okay, y'all, before I dive in too far, if you didn't listen to the bonus chronicle I dropped a few weeks ago, I would recommend you go back and listen to that before you listen to this update. Or you could even go and re-listen to that episode if you already did, because I'm basically going to pick up from exactly where I left off and discuss information that has been released by police since December 2nd. To recap, though, the four students were stabbed to death in an off-campus home on King Road. The victims include 21-year-olds Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves, and 20-year-olds Zanna Kernodal and Ethan Chapin. So, after December 2nd, the next update came from one of the victim's fathers, who spoke out about how police were handling the case on Monday, December 5th. Kaylee Gonsalves' dad, Steve Gonsalves, told Fox News Digital that the family was incredibly frustrated because of the lack of information and transparency investigators were providing. He said, quote, there seems to be confusion everywhere you look. It's just absurd the kind of stuff that's going on right now, end quote. He went on to say, quote, they've messed up a million times, end quote. Stephen Salvis further expressed that he does not understand how police could clear so many potential suspects as quickly as they did. You see, according to an official press release from the Moscow Police Department, there is a list describing at least seven individuals who detectives do not believe are or were involved in the crime. Those people include the two surviving roommates who were sleeping inside the home when the quadruple homicide occurred, a male in a hoodie who was standing at a food truck near Kaylee and Madison on the night of the crime, 
the private party driver who drove Kaylee and Madison home on November 13th, the ex-boyfriend of Kaylee, who she called numerous times, I think some media outlets reported that it was about seven times during the early morning hours of November 13th, as well as any individuals who were in the residence at the time of the 911 call, and the sixth person listed on the lease of the home who police say moved out of the residence before the school year started and was not present at the time of the crime. So police have officially ruled all of those people out as of now. But moving on with the timeline, two days later on December 7th, police publicly asked for help in tracking down a white Hyundai Elantra, a 2011 to 2013 model with an unknown license plate. This vehicle was spotted on surveillance cameras near the crime scene on King Road. According to a press release from the Moscow Police Department, quote, tips and leads have led investigators to look for additional information about this vehicle being in the immediate area of the King Road residence during the early morning hours of November 13th. Investigators believe the occupant or occupants of this vehicle may have critical information to share regarding this case, end quote. After police released this information and asked the public for help, a clerk at a Moscow gas station began reviewing the store's surveillance tapes a little bit at a time and noticed a white Hyundai Elantra that had passed by around 3.45 a.m. on November 13th. Then, on Tuesday, December 13th, a month after the homicides, police then collected at least eight hours of surveillance footage to review from that gas station, according to Fox News. However, police have not confirmed whether the white car in the surveillance footage is the Hyundai Elantra they are specifically looking for. The next pertinent information came on Sunday, December 18th, when a Facebook group dedicated to helping with the murders shared never-before-seen surveillance footage that shows Kaylee and Madison walking and talking with a man. The man appears to be the same person in the hoodie who was standing near them at the food truck who was cleared as a suspect. According to Fox News, Kaylee and Madison are discussing someone named Adam, who the Gonsalves' family lawyer identified as a bartender. However, police have not addressed this Facebook video or the man Kaylee and Madison were allegedly talking about. One piece of information that was originally reported, but something I forgot to mention before, is that officers located a dog at the home on the night of the murders. However, according to the Moscow PD press release, the dog was unharmed and it was turned over to animal services and later released to a responsible party. Also, remember that potential stalker that police speculated Kaylee might have had? Well, according to ABC News, police spoke with two men who may have been the alleged stalker or stalkers that Kaylee had mentioned to her friends and family. In October of this year, the two men were seen at a local business and one of the men appeared to be following behind Kaylee as she walked into the store. Then he proceeded to continue following her when she went back to her car. However, police said the man never made contact with Kaylee, and both of the men later told police that they were simply trying to meet women at the business. According to ABC News and the Moscow PD press release, police have determined that there is no evidence that the two men were involved in the murders. According to the reporting of Nicholas Bogle Burroughs and Mike Baker for the New York Times, police have hinted at the possibility that there might have been more than one perpetrator, and they contacted businesses to inquire if anyone had recently bought a fixed blade knife, which was described as the probable murder weapon based on injuries the victim suffered. Furthermore, Chief James Fry of the Moscow PD said he could not verify whether or not the killer or killers were still in town or if they had fled. And y'all, that's basically it as of now.
That is the extent of the information that police have verified and released to the public regarding these tragic murders. Still to this day, over a month after the crimes, no suspect has been taken into custody and no murder weapon has been located. According to the Moscow PD press release, detectives have so far received over 2,700 calls to the tip line and over 2,600 emails to the tip email address. However, before I close this short episode, I do want to spend some time reflecting on the four victims and sharing a little bit about who they were. After all, that's part of what my podcast is about, reflecting on the victims of these crimes and honoring them in whatever way I can to help bring them justice. And of course, this episode is no different. Let's start with Madison Mogan, who went by Maddie to her friends and family. According to the New York Times, Maddie was a senior marketing major at the University of Idaho. She was described as always being a gentle and caring young lady who valued family and long-term friendships. Maddie's boyfriend, Jake Schreiger, said Maddie was always so positive and she liked to spread kindness to those around her. He said he hopes people remember her for all the love she had in her heart for others. Her boyfriend said, quote, there's no words that can really describe her, how amazing she was and how wonderful of a person she was, end quote. Kaylee Gonsalves was a beautiful soul as well. According to the New York Times, she was set to graduate this year, this December, and she planned to move to Austin, Texas, where she had secured a position with a marketing firm. Kaylee planned to move to Austin with a good friend, Jordan Quesnell, who said, quote, we wanted that adventure. I would be like, let's go do this. And she'd be like, down, end quote. Zanna Kernodal was described by her father, Jeffrey Kernodal, as being strong-willed and enjoying her independent life as a college student. But he also described how she enjoyed spending time with her friends, and he said she was with them all the time. Side note, her father also told an Arizona news outlet that it appears as if Zanna had tried to fight her attacker, an account backed up by the coroner who examined the victim's bodies. Ethan Chapin was one of three triplets. The New York Times reported that he had spent much of November 12th, the day before the murders, with both of his siblings who were also students at the University of Idaho. Actually, on the evening of the 12th, the trio had attended a dance together that was held by his sister's sorority. Ethan's mother, Stacy Chapin, told the New York Times that both of her kids were so thankful for that time they got to spend with Ethan. Stacy described Ethan by saying, quote, he was literally the life of the party. He made everybody laugh. He was just the kindest person, end quote. She also described Ethan as always wearing a big smile on his face since he was a baby. And y'all, I also don't want to forget the two surviving roommates whom I can't imagine just how much trauma they are going through right now. Though authorities and media have not publicly identified the two roommates, they have spoken out and offered condolences while still keeping their identity hidden for privacy and protective reasons, which I completely understand. According to ABC News, the two surviving roommates, both female, likely slept through the attacks. They were sleeping on the ground floor or the first floor, while the other four students were on the second and third floors of the home. One of the roommates wrote in a statement, which was read by a pastor at a memorial service. That statement read, quote, They all lit up any room they walked into and were gifts to this world. I wish every day that I could give them all one last hug and say how much I loved them, end quote. That same roommate said Maddie was her big sister in their sorority, Pi Beta Phi, and she had described Maddie as the older sister she always wanted. 
the other roommate, described Maddie as compassionate and happy-go-lucky and Kaylee as strong and driven. She said, quote, Maddie and Kaylee were like second moms to me and changed the way I look at life, end quote. As for Ethan and Zana, the second roommate described them as the perfect pair who had a, quote, unstoppable loving relationship. They both would look at each other with so much love, end quote. She added, quote, I know somewhere Zana and Ethan are together, keeping each other company, watching us and telling us it's okay, end quote. Moscow police are still asking the public for help. In a statement, police said, quote, We believe someone has information that will add context to the picture investigators are creating of what occurred. Your information, whether you believe it is significant or not, might be one of the puzzle pieces that help solve these murders, end quote. So police are still seeking additional tips and surveillance camera footage of any unusual behavior that might have been observed during the night of November 12th and into the early morning hours of November 13th. This time frame is significant because it is when Kaylee and Madison were in downtown Moscow and while Ethan and Zana were at the Sigma Chi house. The press release states, quote, any interactions, contacts, direction, and method of travel, or anything abnormal could add context to what occurred. End quote. Information can be submitted to the tip line at 208-883-7180. Again, that number is 208-883-7180. Okay, y'all, that officially brings us to the end of this update, an update to the bonus chronicle I dropped a few weeks ago about the quadruple homicide of the University of Idaho students. As always, be sure to check out my social media where I always post photos associated with each case and episode. You can find me at Campus Crime Podcast on Instagram and Campus Crime Chronicles on Facebook. Okay, well, that's all for today, so bye for now. Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Giari Gassaway. Tune in again in two weeks for the next Chronicle. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.